Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. So a big welcome to our guest today, who is Anonymous Y. Um, so for security reasons and um, context, we've changed the the voice recording and we'll obviously refer to them neutrally as Anonymous Y. And we're going to be covering today for the Cat and Mouse podcast, a theme which I think is central to um, the kind of fraud and dark markets. It's around trust. Um, so... We're going to investigate trust in a trustless world with anonymous, anonymous Y. First of all, welcome to the show and thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to talk to us. Hello, Jimmy. Thank you very much for inviting me for this podcast. Happy to give some insights about our operation and uh, what I do. So as you know, the podcast centers around two main themes. Number one is we uh, aim to uh, educate the professional fraud fighting colleagues whose day job is to defend against the likes of you. The flip side is we look to actually interview uh, with um, current fraudsters uh, like yourself, where we get a bit of insight into what goes on in your head, why you do what you do, and maybe some uh, logic to kind of how you look at things. Uh, But again, today we're going to be talking about trust. And I want to start off with (laughs) in the kind of murky world that you have to operate in and you communicate in, um, the marketplaces, the dark web. Um, I remember seeing a stat recently where it seemed like more and more nowadays, particularly in, you know, end of 2020, that a lot of these uh, marketplaces, forums that kind of spring up, that there was quite a lot of kind of concern that a lot of the people operating them uh, are oftentimes potentially police and uh, feds. (laughs) So it's this ironic world where even the moderator could be a fed (laughs) running the show. You are totally right. So many of these sites are honeypots and trying to look in uh, frosters, multinational frosters to give out some information so they can help to locate him. And, and you know, it's also about creating communication channels with fraudulent organizations, cybercrime groups in order to um, in order to have that association after opening up some case, which can lead to new cases. It's quite common and not even that honeypots, but most of the time it's clear that these forums are also run by fraudsters actually. So there's different services or products and uh, you know what happens is actually they try to find people who want to do some fraudulent operations to earn money, but of course they have to invest money. So the investment which they make the first time usually will be lost to that. Well, that's, that's central, isn't it? Is this ironic thing of um, not only are you operating in an unsafe environment for yourself, there's also another dynamic, which is how do you look at trust amongst your peers? Because ultimately you're looking at trust amongst fellow thieves and criminals. Yeah, the old saying goes, trust but verify. In cybercrime, it's about verify, but never trust. So basically, the clear net on the darknet marketplaces, which helps to connect sellers, vendors, and um, buyers, they have an escrow system in place, which means that if you buy a product or service, your funds won't get released until you don't give a thumbs up or positive feedback about the purchase you made. 
So it's kind of a good system and the sales actually built on a very similar framework and um, the kind of the fee which goes to the marketplace is covering those disputes which might occur due to these transactions. Apart from eScrow systems, basically the trust which you build is going to grow over the time working with someone as a partner. So in the beginning, if you find a partner who um, sells you data or tools or someone who you sell data or tools to, in the beginning, this kind of partnerships always love skill and then as you trust more and more then maybe you can even take eScrow out of the picture to save money and time, obviously. I remember hearing of the kind of feds essentially turning people, you know, like, like I said, right from the top, from the moderator, but also kind of some of the influence of sellers on these marketplaces and they were turning them, you know, and it was their it was their only option to kind of reduce their sentence is if they turned over logs of all the comms they had. So the tricky thing there was, it looked like these uh, fellow fraudsters were conducting business in good faith, but it turns out because of you know, just the way that the police have to operate, that they, it, get, it can be turned against you. Yeah, and of course, facts such as Interpol, Europol, just trying to apply the same frameworks as they apply for drug trafficking. So they try to always go for the bigger fish to catch the smaller fish who might give up information. But because we are talking about digital transactions, there's no portal services. There are no actual physical trafficking involved and, you know, all these operations are through the internet. It makes it much more difficult to track down uh, the bigger fish and of course, different anonymity networks such as the Tor or I2P networks have done to stay in the shadows. I mean, the bigger fish is, and as well as no cryptocurrency is just, as I mentioned, Bitcoin and other crypto related to making hard, even if it's fundamentally transparent and you can track where Bitcoin goes. Like everyone tumbles their Bitcoins to avoid traces left. So it's impossible to trace back to someone and as long as it's fully digital. It makes it extremely difficult for facts to actually go after the real big players in this industry. Let's uh, switch the topic to communication then. So in that kind of murky world, can you talk about some of the, the comms protocols that you guys prefer? In the beginning, um, we used mostly communication channels made by Russian organizations because they were, they were quite free for such topics. And later, we open up more to Western markets, the so-called SMPP network where utilize, which is peer-to-peer, -peer, decentralized communication network. Um, you could set up an account in a few clicks. Our job is there are many sites, just domains which facilitating this communication, and then you had to encrypt your messages so you could download Suter, and then you could download the plugin, which just encrypted your messages and is chat. In the last three, two years, I would say um, because of the popularity of Telegram, most of the vendors and most of the buyers actually moved to Telegram because it's also untraceable and it's open source on GitHub. It's all published, you can read. You know, what data they can provide to facts if they would like to, the background of how the ground was created, you can be quite sure that they won't release any information about your communications to the authorities. So do you think your particular world has moved away from tools like ICQ or is that still in operation? Yeah, mostly it's from Telegram. I would say 95% uh, from Telegram, yeah. How does the dynamic work? Are you entering into uh, a, a specific group at first or is it just DMs? Yes, with my assisting partner, of course, private messages. 
So it's just messaging each other and of course, if you are interacting with new partners, um, the reason for selling some products or services, we have to use a burner phone to set up our account if anything goes wrong and you know, there might be some investigation. Still, it's better to be safe than sorry and that's why we are using these disposable numbers and that is quite easy to acquire them and set up an account on unprogrammed Truth Tor. So yeah, um, public groups, not that much because noobs are also joining those channels and trying to get free pieces of information and I would say that there are specific groups which are just for exclusively cyber criminal groups and it's not possible to actually join them as a stranger, unknown person. You need to have someone to watch for you and if you have someone who bought, then you might be able to access. But many times, you also have to pay for the access because it's very exclusive. So, and also there are, there are many facts among this. So someone might come to you and say, hey, this is this group. Let's pay us 500 bucks and then you will be able to source information which you cannot find anywhere else. Probably that's a scam. Um, because if a stranger say to you, then it's maybe he's the one who is running this group and charging people 500 bucks to just not sharing any useful information, maybe some tutorials, but it doesn't really work out that way. I'd say on our R&D team, we do uh, some, some work in this uh, space obviously. And uh, we find it hard even as board fighting professionals to differentiate between scams. Uh, so scams for both marketplaces, private groups. Would you evaluate whether something looks dodgy or whether it is legit? Or do you primarily enter into stuff that uh, you know people that have entered into? How, how does it work? Um, the latter option, because as I say, most of the scam forums or scam sites are mostly run by the scammers. So you have to be always double check before you buy something where you really are. Just to give you an example, so many of these wannabe cyber criminals, they sign up maybe for a privacy email address with a new email provider just to send some emails, etc. And you know, many of these privacy email providers, actually when you copy and paste Bitcoin address, they'll replace with their own. That's one of the examples, or many of these, like if you go to ClearNet Wiki like Tor and Darknet Wikis, 99% of these sites are scam sites. So all these like wallet providers, many of the public services are actually stealing bitcoins from people and yeah, always have to double check and look at on different forums if it makes sense to actually send money via channel, utilize any tool or product because yeah, it's really a big noise out there. That's brilliant. Scamming the scammers. Who are they going to turn to? If you're running a service or, uh, you know, you have a, a particular sensitive product that you're trying to offload, how would you go about doing that? So how would you go about advertising your own services and making sure that it's not getting mixed in with uh, these kind of sites where uh, it's kind of seen as scammy for anyone in the know? Yeah, sure. So um, there are some clear net marketplaces where it's fine to advertise like gray area items. Let's say you cannot advertise a sale, let's say stolen card data, but you can sell like a account logins or hack accounts. If you don't say it's hacked or you can say like your pre-created accounts for um, different banks, etc. That they work uh, the same way as stock marketplaces. So the kind of the silk route 
uh, copies. Um, well, what I do, I don't really want to describe. But what basically I use always the most popular um, cyber criminal focus marketplaces. When I want to register, I have to pay a fee to be a vendor, and then I publish my products and put in the right categories, upload the picture, add my contact details, describe the products. Um, I'm always jumping on new sites because it's very important to have a consistent name as a vendor. And of course, I'm thinking also about setting up my own website and on my own on your website on the Tor network because you know if the marketplaces are getting shut down every second week so i'm on telegram where also my buyers come to me mm, makes sense you you mentioned as well the trust but verify and the twist on it the verify verify can you share a bit more about how the verification works from also your point of view what are you looking at most importantly, if I'm selling something, it doesn't really matter because if the product and service works well and my customer is happy, they spread the word so I never have to give them any freebies. So I'm really being more strict about my rules, who I uh, sell to, but if they have the money, why not? But when I buy from someone, as I say, I try to scale up the difference like the values of the transactions. So I'll never go like for a really expensive item or investing something without trying to get out of trialing it for a lower investment. That's very important and you know what? I talk to someone or when I try to find new partners, the thing is, knowledge is what makes you trustworthy. So if you if you give, you know, some good insight or if you say something that actually stuff in a self-explanatory way, makes you um, look smart or in my eyes and there's of course I'm talking about cyber criminal things or social skills etc so if I find some topics which we share the same opinion or the guy can who I talk to can give me some good insight or advice is that the best way to verify someone because of course facts are usually yeah they don't really know how these things work so many times I face someone who say they have a lot of money to buy some products or like just to sell me something and if they can't really answer basic questions, then either I'm talking to a scammer or a fad. So it's quite easy to bet on just a few chat message exchanges. It's quite easy to base on my assumption of what I'm talking to a real cyber criminal if someone's stupidity or as I say, a fad or maybe a scammer. So the audience of uh, this show is primarily, uh, hopefully, primarily uh, fraud managers, <laughs> professional fraud fighters. Would you have any advice uh, for uh, your adversary? Any kind of words of wisdom that uh, you would think about if you were them dealing with you? Yeah, my advice would be to, you know, try to keep up with us, first of all. And I would say you have to, if you want to prevent what you have to think, like a froster and what a froster does, how someone becomes a froster, it's not hard to start to read about this sort of cyber criminal guys and tutorials and the tools and the internet is really full of these sources. And, you know, I really advise to look at the different products such as the let's say the device fingerprinting tools or proxy provider which are very commonly used also um, there are many pro tools out there but many of them also known by frosters so this protection tool is actually really easily given access to their platform to any small-scale e-commerce merchants so I and my peers we usually test these tools and we check our profile before we try to interact with the target size and it's very easy actually to see which protection provider are being used by our merchant site because we usually they insert their device fingerprinting just there on their front end 
So if you open the console on the browser, you can see what's the URL for that. So you can see which product is it and then you can create an e-commerce store with what you can access to their platform. You can actually try like a profile, your device, IP, your behavior on that and so if that product can buy them, you can bypass that protection on your site. That you can just be quite sure that you will, you will pass through. So I would strongly advise to look up into the, the tools used by the process and also fosters always try to earn the most money in the shortest time period. So it's always something fun. I just have to understand that uh, if something takes a lot of time to deal with creating fake profiles on the internet or creating fake Facebook accounts etc, they wouldn't like process. So they wouldn't really mess with that because then it would take more time and they would have a lower hourly fee then. Maybe going to another site where there are not so strong security measures. What I would say definitely try to think like Frosters and if you can think like Frosters, you can actually see patterns much easier than uh, not being aware of what actually process can use or do on your specific site. So the, the name of uh, our podcast is uh, Say on Cat or Mouse. We always ask our guests at the end, in the world of uh, fraudsters versus professional fraud fighters, who do you think is the cat uh, and the mouse there and why? Um, <laughs> this is an easy um, question to answer. So I'm, I'm representing right now the mouse because um, I'm a fraudster and I think on the other side are the targets the merchants and then the individuals, maybe the accounts are being compromised and of course the fraud prevention team of the merchant side and the feds are also on the mouse side. There are a lot of players so it's hard to categorize now or say service providers and two providers, everyone who is involved in any in any type of cyber criminal attacks. So I think actually there are there are more people on the cat side. But mouse side is always one step ahead. So that's why they can remain the mouse. Thank you, Anonymous Y. That's been um, very interesting diving into some of your insight and sharing a little bit of your knowledge there. I hope this is uh, useful for our fraud fighting uh, community there. And it gets them thinking about how people like you think as well. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And my pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.